Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway and beyond. Uh, joining me for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So, Shane, welcome back. Great to be with you as always and looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Dan. It's good to be back with you as always. Absolutely. So, Shane, maybe beginning with the budget reconciliation. I know we've been uh, talking about this for some time now, though we have been hearing about some developments in recent days. I recall yesterday uh, we did see President Biden make a trip up the Capitol Hill, and at the White House he did address the nation, outlining a framework for the proposed budget reconciliation bill. So what are some points of interest that the president shared with us? And it's interesting what's happening with the negotiations at the moment. So what's the prospects of a bill even moving forward at this point? You know, great question. You know, sometimes uh, we get lost in the, the grandeur of, of these announcements of what's actually happening and, and uh, what has actually been agreed to. I think yesterday, you know, um, President Biden joined with Democrats on the Hill to try and show unity and, and build momentum for them to move forward on the Build Back Better agenda. Um, and they released this outline that is agreed upon. Now, it's agreed upon by, you know, several principles, but not every single uh, Democrat in the House and the Senate. So they still have some work to do to uh, get buy-in. You know, uh, what is in here, you know, it, it's a lot of the highlights that we've been talking about, but some things have fallen off to the wayside. So for what's in there, there's $400 billion for, you know, child care and universal pre-K, um, about $150 billion for home care. Uh, clean energy is a big topic uh, in this bill. There's over $550 billion for clean energy and clean and climate investments. Uh, there's also over $100 billion uh, to uh, try and shore up Obamacare for a few years. Uh, there's a new Medicare benefit for hearing aids in the bill. Uh, there is over uh, $100 billion for uh, housing. So the, this hits a lot of topics for spending. But, of course, with spending comes uh, tax increases. Uh, so this bill does contain a variety of tax increases that we have discussed, like changes to how corporations are, are taxed on their international profits. Uh, but then there are a lot of things that... Um, have entered this bill that we have not talked about because items that we have been talking about, like an increase to the corporate tax rate, fell off uh, the radar, as well as increases to uh, capital gains taxes, uh, the highest income tax bracket, both have fallen off in the wayside. So to make up for that uh, revenue gap, uh, new taxes uh, like this book minimum tax on corporations have come into being. Uh, plus this um, surtax on uh, well, very wealthy individuals. So this bill is still evolving. And to kind of one of your questions of, you know, when will this all wrap up? It's unknown because this bill uh, probably will still undergo some more changes. Now, some of those changes are probably just going to be small, technical, um, but there is a possibility for, uh, larger changes to be made. Well, so this will be fluid for the coming days and possibly weeks. Um, there are Democrats pushing for a vote next week. I think that is optimistic. 
uh, and ambitious and possible, but I, we think the more likely scenario is that this drags out a few weeks and, you know, maybe Democrats can pass this into law in uh, maybe a little bit before um, Thanksgiving. Okay, so some wait and see at the moment, and I'm sure we'll follow up on this as more developments occur, which sounds like it will be a busy weekend for lawmakers as they digest the proposal. It's also going to be a busy weekend for President Biden. I know following the president's address yesterday, uh, he did travel to Europe for some key events uh, set to take place over the next few days. So what does the agenda consist of, Shane? Yeah, no, um, just this morning for us, uh, President Biden was meeting with uh, the Pope. Um, but, you know, that is just the first of many important meetings for him. You know, this is uh, the annual uh, G20 summit is this weekend. So they'll hold a, a, a series of key meetings with world leaders in Rome. And then he's going to travel to Glasgow on Monday to attend uh, the UN Climate Summit, also known as COP26. So that's another reason he's, he went into Capitol Hill was to push uh, the Build Back a Better agenda, which included a lot of these climate initiatives that he wants to tout um, to uh, to the UN Climate Summit. So, you know, I think there there are, are, are a lot of traditional issues that will be discussed at these meetings, you know, China, Russia, et cetera. Um, but, you know, there is a definite focus on uh, climate initiatives um, over the next few days for President Biden. Coming back stateside, Shane, I know this week up on Capitol Hill, we did see that Attorney General Merrick Garland, uh, he did testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. I had the hearing on the TV here, and at times you did see some spirited exchanges, though. What was the nature of this testimony, and what were some key takeaways that you can share with us? Yeah, this was him coming to the Senate Judiciary Committee for a routine oversight hearing. You know, typically the heads of departments and agencies will go up to Capitol Hill and just kind of uh, present, uh, um, you know, what's going on with their department. And, you know, lawmakers will engage in a, a variety of questions, just trying to make sure the proper oversight is being done. Obviously, as you kind of mentioned, this got, it became a pretty contentious um, hearing. Now, the contention mostly surrounded a DOJ memo um, about to uh, essentially um, school board meetings that have uh, recently become very, um, we'll say, animated. You know, these uh, school board meetings have taken uh, life onto their own recently, and the uh, Department of Justice a couple weeks ago issued a memo, memo you know, saying you know, for the FBI to and Department of Justice to essentially coordinate with local law enforcement to try and keep um, these uh, school board meetings, you know, in check and not violent. Um, a lot of Republican lawmakers have taken issue with this and pushed back hard against the attorney general. Even one um, senator called for his uh, resignation. Um, so that, you know, kind of was the focus. But this hearing obviously delved into a variety of other topics, you know, the board are being one. Um, so, you know, I think this, this um, was a little bit of a, of a Republicans starting to rally around issues, most, most notably um, 
the school board issue. Thank you, Shane, for sharing some takeaways. Maybe one additional topic we can talk about. This is a bit of a preview into the week ahead. I know we have Election Day on Tuesday, so this year, very different look and feel when you think about last year, but we do have a couple of key gubernatorial races in focus. So what are the polls pointing to in Virginia and New Jersey? Yeah, I'll start with New Jersey because that's a little bit easier. Um, We expect the Democrat to win. I think the last polls I saw had uh, the Democrat sitting governor, uh, Governor Murphy, up by double digits. Um, And, you know, New Jersey is a pretty blue state, so I, I don't see any surprises there. The real action is in Virginia. Um, where the governor's race is extremely tight. Um, the the uh, Republican, uh, Glenn Youngkin, and uh, the Democrat former Governor McAuliffe uh, are in a statistical tie. You know, the, the, there are polls uh, that will show them tied or maybe up one or two points, uh, so it's within the margin of error. Um, this race is going to be a premier race. You know, I think Republicans are looking... Uh, to this race that if they win or even if they come close, you know, they have momentum on their side. Because remember, you know, Virginia, four of the past five governors have been Democrats. So it's really been trending Democrat these past few years. So if Republicans have a good showing, it's going to get their energy up uh, and excite the base, uh, especially if they win. You know, and at the same time, you have both parties essentially testing their messages uh, out and trying to figure out what messaging will work for the 2022 midterms next year. So while this is a state race, it has national implications and why it's being so closely followed on both sides. A lot to look forward to next week, Shane, and I'm sure we'll follow up and sort of unpack those Election Day results when we speak next. Though, thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients this week, Shane, and uh, bringing us up to speed on some key developments to be mindful of. And we'll look forward to picking back up with the conversation soon. Have a nice weekend. Thank you, Dan. It was great to catch up with you and take care and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Shane. And again today we've been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So as a reminder to our listeners and our clients, uh, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. The Washington Weekly podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.